Hello, everyone, and welcome to Linux Crazy Podcast. This is podcast number 95. Well, I finally got unprocrastinating and figured I would go ahead and put out a podcast since I'd been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off now for probably about a month. Uh, what I've been doing is I've just been kind of been writing down some stuff that I run across to, uh, in my daily Linux journey and I uh, figured I would go ahead and talk about that in, that, in this podcast. One of the first things I wanted to talk about is um, a, the Northeast Linux Fest is coming up at March the, let me see here, March the 17th at Worcester State University uh, Student Center. That's in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. So uh, Jonathan wanted me to make sure that uh, and tell everyone to please, if you're in that area, to please uh, come by to see the Northeast Linux Fest. And uh, he uh Provided me with a little uh, intro, so here's the intro. On March 17, 2012, join us for the Northeast GNU Linux Fest in Worcester, Massachusetts. We have hackerspace competition, LPI and BSD exams, demonstration of OpenStreetMap, and our wildly popular after-party at Jillian's. Go to northeastlinuxfest.org for more information. Alright, well the first thing I wanted to talk about was uh, GNOME 3 extensions. I'm a longtime GNOME user, so when GNOME 3 came out, I wanted to give it a try. And at first I didn't like it uh, because it was something different. And I had uh, started using uh, OpenBox, so I pretty much liked OpenBox. But then when um, I kept hearing about GNOME 3, and, and one of the reasons is that I use a lot of GNOME 3 applications. Most of the applications I use are, are GNOME apps like Nautilus and uh, so on and so forth. I don't use any, I don't, I don't use very many Qt applications like the ones that are used for KDE. I've never really gotten involved with KDE too much, so I've spent most of my time uh, fooling around with uh, GNOME uh, type stuff, so that's what I've wanted to stick with. Even when I was using OpenBox, I would use Nautilus and uh, mostly all of the uh, GNOME uh, applications that come, come with GNOME. So I wanted to give uh, GNOME 3 a chance. So uh, the Gen 2, uh, the GNOME 3 port uh, that's used on Gen 2 is pretty much, I think it's pretty close to the whatever upstream is. And once I started fooling around with it and got used to all the key uh, shortcuts and stuff. Now I've, I like it pretty much and I've gotten pretty used to it. But I still was missing a few things and what's great about the GNOME 3 that I found out that uh, I was, was lacking with me before and one of the main reasons that I didn't like it was the extensions now. So there's a there's actually a website that has all the extensions. I think I've talked about this before but uh, I really like the extensions and there's a few of the extensions that I've uh, kind of started using. I've tried just about all of them and basically here's the main ones that I use. I, I got one of the extension that removes the accessibility uh, up in the top bar. Well, because I'm not, I don't use any of those features so there's no reason to have that up there. Uh, one of the other uh, extensions I like is the weather indicator extension. I like when I get up, uh, look at the temperature and basically just a quick glance at what the weather's going to be like so I know, you know, what to uh, put on for the day, etc. 
And, uh, oh, and another one that I really come to like is the journal extension. Basically what the journal is, it's, it puts in uh, blocks. Uh, right here you can, uh, and it uses Ziegfeld. I think that's what it's called. It's like a search uh, feature that comes with GNOME. And uh, it has here, it's got recently used, it's got frequent, shared, I got the documents, music, videos, uh, pictures, downloads, it's got all that in there. And it's like a quick, uh, a quick link to uh, all the files that I want to use. And another thing that's really great about GNOME 3 that I guess uh, that I hadn't used much anymore, but I guess people have been using it in other window managers for a long time, even I hear people talking about it with Windows 7 a lot, is the search feature. So basically with uh, GNOME 3, if you get used to doing it, you just hit the Windows key and then you just, like if you want to start Firefox or whatever you wanted to start, you just type in the search if you don't want to take the time to uh, find it. But I basically have everything in um, shortcuts, um, keyboard shortcuts. So basically if I want to open up my home folder, I just press, I put Alt-H and uh, I've got that all set up. So... Uh, back to the extensions that I started talking about that I got sidetracked with the journal. The journal extension with, and using the search function is, man, that's fantastic. I use the, well, my CPU temperature extension. I like that. It's a quick look when I'm um, updating or compiling or just to keep an eye on the general health of the temperature of my box. I have that. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, extend left box extension. What that does is, uh, I guess the original or the the um, the way GNOME 3 comes with, it'll um, push all of your status up in one corner. But this kind of makes you you can use the whole top bar. Uh, evil status icon forever extension. What that does is, uh, I think it had a delay for like uh, status, like if somebody contacts you on XChat or for whatever reason um, uh, you want to be notified of something uh, that it doesn't just go away and you lose it this way it'll stay there until you actually uh, remove it uh, user themes extension I have that in order to add a few you know little uh, tweaks that I use uh, oh here's the uh, permanent notifications extension that goes with that other one evil status icon forever extension <laughs> and uh, Flippery Applications Menu Extension. Now, that's up top. It has your all your applications in a menu type. Now, I think I can get rid of that uh, once I, once I uh, got used to using the search. I'm not even actually using the applications. I think I put that in when, at the beginning when I wasn't really using the search that much, and I was going through the slow process of going through the Applications Menu to find whatever I wanted to use. But really, uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn that off. I don't even use that. I'm going to turn that off right now. We don't even need that. Uh, let's see. Oh, this now here's the main one of the main ones that I really like is the flippery bottom panel extension. Basically, what that does is gives you a, a bottom panel like the old GNOME had, where it has all the open applications or even minimized applications across the bottom. And then on the right-hand side, it's got all your desktops. So you can easily click and go to another desktop. Now you can do that with the keyboard too, but it I just got used to doing it with the old with regular old GNOME 2 like I would just go ahead and just click on desktop 1 2 3 or 4 or whatever. There's also an extension that you can uh, label your your desktops uh, your workspaces. 
but I, uh, I, I did, I, I used that for a little while, but I, now I don't really need it. I just, I just kind of, my number one uh, workspace is basically IRC and, and I have dual, a dual screen. So it actually works out pretty, on the left side is, is my different workspaces, one, two, three, four, what, however many I want to have. On the right screen, actually, it stays the same. So right now, on the right screen, it won't, it won't, it'll all whatever I have open on the right screen stays on the right screen. And even if I flip through different workspaces, whatever I have on the right stays there. And right now, on the right, I have Audacity that I'm recording this with, and I have Firefox. A lot of times, I'll use, I'll keep Firefox or a browser on the open on the right side. Basically, I've been using Firefox. Uh, here lately for a long time because everything's been working. I'll jump around like I used Chrome for a while and uh, because in Firefox I think Flash was giving me some trouble or something and um, but right now Firefox has been working really good so I'll just use that until something happens it gets upgraded and maybe it's not working exactly right and I get mad at it for whatever reason and I'll go ahead and just won't even use it anymore until it starts working again the great thing is you know you got so many options so I'll usually main ones I'll use is just Firefox or Chrome so that's on the right hand side so oh and here's another one is overlay icons extension you can press uh, you can go press F2 I mean, uh, you can press um, uh, that Windows key, and it gives you the overlay, and then the overlays, whatever, any of these open screens, it has the icons, uh, so that you just click on the icon. It just makes it look, look a little nicer is all. It's not really necessary. So, and there's a whole, whole lot of new extensions coming out that I haven't even been to the site yet to see. Uh, so if you're missing something in GNOME 3 and, there's, uh, and you would like to have it, uh, just check out all the different extensions. I, th I guess that Cinnamon, that desktop that uh, Mint is, is that everybody really likes, is basically uh, an extension on top of GNOME 3. I'm not exactly positive, but uh, I think that's what it is. So that's the extensions. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was I was um, going to uh, put uh, my... CDs, I have a bunch of different CDs that I really like to listen to music when I'm driving in the car. But each CD has a few songs that I like and then a bunch of them that I don't like. So I wanted to kind of make some CDs that uh, just had the songs that I like. So basically like a playlist of CDs. So I'm sure people do this all the time, but I have been never really doing it because this I just started driving really for the last maybe year now. Before that, I was using a scooter or using my bicycle, so I didn't really have access to a car. Uh, so I wasn't really listening to the CD. I was listening to my headphones, but I would have kind of a playlist on the headphones. So to make a long story short, I wanted to get some CDs that are like, you know, my favorite songs put on a CD. So I start first I I started out I had them all burned them in AUG. So I I listen to them here on the on this box. I I like to just use AUG. I don't even fool around with MP3 or anything. But when I was going to go put these on these CDs and play them in the car, I I wasn't exactly sure, but when I first tried to burn the augs to the cd uh brosario didn't want to cooperate so my first thought was that well maybe it's because they're augs and maybe you're not supposed to burn augs to cds i didn't even really know 
So I figured, well, I better convert them to an MP3. So I was trying to find some way of convert bulk converting, you know, into MP3s because I've got a lot of different, you know, I have probably maybe 20 albums and I wanted to make like, you know, 10 different CDs with all the best ones and, you know, have 10 really nice CDs that I could play that had songs that just I wanted to listen to. So I was looking for something that can bulk convert these uh, op files to CD to uh, MP3s, and I found it. It's called Sound Converter of all things, and it works fantastic. Uh, basically, you just um, open it up, and you can add entire folders. So that's what I did. I had my music organized in folders naturally. So each album was basically a folder. So I just started adding folders, and I loaded it up, and um, it didn't miss a beat, man. It went right through and converted every one of them to um, MP3s. So that worked out really well. Uh, the next step is to um, go ahead and create the uh, playlist that I wanted to convert to the um, CDs. And Viserio came with GNOME 3, so I went ahead and tried Viserio. And Viserio acted like it wanted to do uh, fine, and and I uh, put the songs on the CD. It would tell me how much space I had left on the CD, so I keep adding songs and keep adding songs. And then when I went to go ahead and convert, uh, it wouldn't do anything. It would just sit there. So I was like, what the hell's going on? And so I figured, well, I'll try something else so i went searching around and i found gnome baker which is basically it's a lot like basereal but it's just uh to me it seemed like it was just more simple and just more uh in tune just for doing this specific task so i tried gnome baker and gnome baker was doing the same thing what in the world's going on so come to find out that in my particular setup with my uh, the dvd drive I guess over time when you would put the, I, what I was doing was I'd put the, the CD in and I'd see a blank CD come up in Nautilus. So I knew that it was, you know, it was there, it was, it was available. And then I would, you know, maybe it'd take me a little while to get organized or whatever. By the time I'd get ready to burn the CD, for some reason it unmounted itself or it, I don't know, it's like it had a time limit or something. So I come to find out that what I would do is I'd get everything ready to go ahead and and convert or burn the burn those songs to the cd get it all ready then put the cd in and and hit convert and it worked just fine because it was just like it recognized the cd when i first put it in and nothing else was was uh accessing it maybe what was happening was when i plug it in for a while maybe nautilus or something's trying to access it i really couldn't figure it out and I didn't really want to investigate it too much. I really didn't care because now I got it to work. So I basically used that known baker to do it all. But I haven't tried again. Maybe when I try it again, I think I think Braserio will work if I try it again. But I'm not exactly sure. But I went ahead and made up my CDs. And I noticed another thing, too. I made up the CDs on some of the CDs. I don't know if it ha why, but the, some of them would have like 14 songs. Some of them have like 16 songs. When I got to the end, on a few of the CDs, the last couple songs were like they would skip. And um, so I don't know exactly what happened there. I don't know if I didn't get a real good or something with the conversion. I don't know exactly. But so I got a few CDs that I'm going to have to redo because the last couple songs on them are like they like skip. 
so uh, let's see what else. Uh, the next thing is uh, I'm not even. It's been a while since I did a podcast, so I don't think I've talked about this before. If I have, just uh, I apologize. Um, is the new GNOME 3 on the Gen 2 Live DVD 12.0. Now, like Woe has uh, go ahead and produced a new um, Gen 2 Live DVD, and it's version 12.0. And when I was playing around with the DVD, I do a lot of testing for Like Woe to uh, work on the bugs and this and that before he goes ahead and releases it. And I noticed that uh, the GNOME 3 on there worked really well. It's one of the reasons why, while I was testing these live DVDs that I actually uh, got interested in GNOME 3. Because like I said, I was using OpenBox and I was, I was perfectly happy with OpenBox and the way I was going. But uh, it just, the GNOME 3 looks nice and plus it's just kind of the way things are going. So I'm not going to be an old fuddy-duddy about it and stick with the GNOME 2 forever or GNOME 2 apps forever, so I wanted to go ahead and try it. So when I tried the, the live DVD, uh, and GNOME 3 worked really well on it, I was like, well, let me go ahead and, and go ahead and try and install it on my, uh, my main box. So uh, that's what I did. I uh, didn't actually install it on the main box the first time. I had a test box. <laughs> I didn't want to mess this one up because this one is my like daily box, and I almost have a heart attack if anything breaks on it. Uh, there not too long ago, it um, I had to put in a power supply. I thought I lost everything. Uh, I do do regular backups with R-Sync, so I've learned my lesson in that sense. Uh, I don't do them daily or anything, but I do them weekly. I do a weekly backup. I mean, that's enough for me. I don't have any critical information on here. But anyhow, the, the uh, Gen 2 12.0 Live DVD is really, really nice. The, the package included in that in this release is the Linux kernel 3.15, Xorg 1.10, KDE 4.74. Now, I know Lyclo is actually working on a new one that's going to have uh, KDE 4.8. Uh, it has GNOME 3.2, uh, X. XFCE 4.8, Fluxbox, Firefox 9.0, LibreOffice 3.5, GIMP, Blender, and it's got a whole bunch of applications on it. It's got a lot of window managers, too, so you can check out KDE, you can check out GNOME, you can check out Awesome, you can check out Fluxbox, XFCE, uh, so on and so on. And one of the really cool things about it is, is that you can um, use the persistence feature on it and that way, what you can do is, your home directory, you can save your settings. Now, he's working on expanding it so that you could save uh, everything. Like if you install new programs and this and that, that it would be in persistence. But for right now, you uh, basically just back up your home. And then when you boot back up the live DVD, uh, you can do it one of two ways. You either create a separate partition on your uh, USB stick or you use a separate USB stick. What I did was, uh, the DVD is actually three point something, I mean it's big. So you don't have too much room on there left over if you use a four gigabyte stick. You would have to use an eight gigabyte stick. So you could use an eight gigabyte stick and partition four gigabytes for the persistence partition. But what I did was I had uh, two four gigabyte sticks. So one I used for the live DVD and one four gigabyte stick I used just for the persistence. 
So it works really neat. What you do is you plug in the live DVD. Uh, you've got, got already partitioned the other uh, USB stick for per, uh, persistence, and you put a file in there. It's called persistence mode. It's really easy to set up. And then when you boot the live DVD, you uh, put in the kernel command line that you want to use persistence and you put that and then when it boots up to a certain point it stops it tells you to uh, either uh, put in a, put in your stick or tell it where the persistence is if it's on the live DVD stick if, if you had an 8 gigabyte stick and you had it partitioned it would just automatically find it for it's there but the way I do it it stops and asks you and then you plug in the other stick and then it finds it and it just keeps on going and then you have all your settings from the last time that you ran the live DVD it's really cool. And the other thing that I was going to talk about is this. Uh, I got this printer. It's a Samsung ML3312ND. And it will actually, it's a, a laser printer that's uh, it's pretty inexpensive. It's a pretty nice printer. Uh, but it, I had a hard time at the beginning getting, getting it to work with Linux. At first, I, I basically got lucky, and it, it will actually work with the generic PCL laser printer driver that comes with cups, but you don't get all of the features. So uh, here lately, the um, Samsung has gone ahead and updated their driver, the unified driver, uh, on August the 24th, uh, 2011. It was updated, and to version 3. Point zero zero point eight two, and what I did was I just made up a little. I copied uh, uh, the the e-build from uh, an overlay here. Is that uh, oh Binky's overlay? Oh no, Binky's uh, overlay. And I copied that driver and I just uh, adjusted it for the latest one, which is the three point zero zero point eight two. Because I had tried the other driver, and for some reason it didn't want to cooperate. Uh, I kept getting an error when I went to print. But this new one works absolutely perfect. So I've got full uh, usage of this printer. And you can get them on sale for about, um, usually around $100. And it's a really nice laser printer. It's called the ML-3312ND forward slash XAA. And... The unified driver works really good in this printer. So, uh, oh, the other thing that I did was I did an interview with um, this gentleman uh, called, uh, oh, yeah, here he is, Mylan. And uh, Kazarka. And uh, Mylan, uh, he's uh, from Foresight Media which produce interactive touch tables that run Gentoo Linux. One of the products are a low-cost alternative to Microsoft Surface. And uh, I got a link there to on the interview to all, uh, all the different products, but it's pretty neat what it is basically used for. Um, looks like they use it mainly for uh, restaurants, food and beverage, or uh, I guess you could use it just about for anything. Uh, it's really neat. So when you would come in and you could, um, you could go order whatever you wanted to eat, right there on your table and it would get sent back to the kitchen and they would go ahead and um, put it together for you and then bring it back out for you and you wouldn't even have to see anybody so 
I asked him, who is Mylon and how did you get started with Gen 2? And his answer was, I guess I'm a product designer, developer, and entrepreneur, and part-time artist living in Central Europe, usually in Vienna, Bratislava, and Prague. To be able to create inventions, new gadgets, you either need a ton of money or you learn how to do things you do many things by yourself in a garage, or in my case, in my atelier. I guess an atelier is like a cellar, maybe. For me, I would be quite depressing to just design something. And so I create prototypes, which I push into serial production like my touch table designs. When I was 13 years old, I accidentally saw a magazine with a penguin. I thought it was a cool logo of something. Then I saw it said that there's a free CD of an operating system that I haven't heard of. I could not hack my pre-installed commercial software enough, so I gave it a try, and I guess it's the usual story of many open source and Linux geeks from there on. After some time using various Linux distributions, I saw that the complexity and the number of regressions in many of them have become so high over the years that I needed a system that would let me stay in control of a system and would value its own design. Gen, Gen 2 was a natural source. And you can, uh, I'll put a link on uh, LinuxCrazy.com so you can go ahead and uh, read the uh, full interview if you would so like. Uh, the reason I didn't actually record an interview with him, I wanted to, but I'm kind of in a, a dilemma here. He lives over in, like you say, I think he lives in East, in Central Europe. And for me to record the interview, I don't have my Asterix uh, server here anymore at the house. Uh, when I got this new apartment, I got uh, AT&T U-verse. In my old apartment, I had DSL, and I had a, a Linsky router that I could... Um, use in bridge mode as far as I could go ahead and open up all these ports for the Asterix uh, server. And here it was just going to be too complicated and I was too lazy and I just didn't really want to fool with it. So by doing that, it's kind of messed me up as far as being able to do interviews uh, in people with people that live overseas and such. You know, I did interviews with people in South Africa before. I've done interviews with people in um, all over in Europe. And uh, with that asterisk server, I was able to record them. Sometimes the, it wouldn't be a perfect audio, but it would be good enough to um, go ahead and do the an interview. Now I'm pretty much just stuck doing them in the United States uh, just because of cost, because I couldn't really afford to pay regular rates to call Europe and to set it up and everything. So I can, I, I can record. I got the equipment here to record uh phone calls but it was just the cost of paying for overseas phone call would probably be pretty expensive i would imagine uh, asterisk was dirt cheap man i could call south america or europe or anything for you know a couple dollars and i'm sure it's probably a lot more expensive now i didn't even uh, look into seeing how much it would going to be so i just have to do interviews here in the states unless somebody has a better suggestion i was even with using recording with um, Google Talk or anything else, I mean, I could have them call me. You know, we could do a conference call where we called a central hub somewhere and did it like a conference call and had it recorded. But I would hate to ask somebody to call, you know, somewhere else. I mean, they're nice enough to do the interview. So to have them even call, I mean, I guess the other option is 
later on down the road I could go ahead and set me up my own asterisk server on a um, you know on a host somewhere and maybe there's dedicated uh, hosts that could do that you know that do asterisk servers for you uh, relatively inexpensive but you know to get to do one interview a month or one interview every two months and to keep the asterisk server running and just the upkeep and everything I mean it's just it's just not worth it I mean I just don't have that much money to be doing <laughs> so uh, well, that's a, that's about. I think that's about it for this podcast. I'll uh, keep jotting down stuff I run across, and uh, hopefully do another podcast in a not too distant future. I'll try to put together an interview. And if anybody has any suggestions, or if you would like to contribute to the podcast, if you got any tips or tricks or anything like that, just go ahead and um, send me an email. It's uh, David at LennoxCrazy.com, and I could sure use all the help I could get. So we'll keep this podcast keep on rolling on. All right, we're at. Uh, what are we at now yeah we're at 95 so goodness gracious we sure, certainly do hope we get to 100 and i just soon just keep this going i'm just i'm not going to really uh fret over too much or beat myself up over too much if i don't do a podcast every so often i'm just going to kind of write this stuff down and when i run across something interesting i'll go ahead and do a podcast so hey thanks a lot for listening over and out <laughs>